This podcast is presented by Solving Kids Cancer, dedicated to improving survival through novel clinical studies. To learn more about funding opportunities, visit our website at solvingkidscancer.org and click Apply for Grant. This week in Pediatric Oncology, the podcast about new advances for childhood cancer, Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 28, recorded on July 24th, 2013. I'm your host, Tim Kripe, from Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, affiliated with the Ohio State University. And I'm here along with my co-host, Robin Dennis. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Tim. And Jeff Aletta. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Tim. We also have online with us uh, another co-host from Cincinnati Children's, Lionel Chow. Thanks for being here, Lionel. Good to be here, Tim. And we have a special guest with us. Uh, from uh, Texas A&M University, Victoria Benger. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Please call me Vicky. Happy to do so. Unless I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know of. So We need a middle name then. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of my co-hosts are relatively new to this, so let me just ask them to introduce themselves to our listening audience. Robin, could you just tell us a few words about yourself? Sure. Hi, Vicky. It's nice to meet you. Um, My name is Robin Dennis, and I am um, new to the institution about a year ago. I uh, have an interest in pediatric leukemia, specifically ALL, um, and I also have a research interest in looking at phase one or new novel therapies for children who are refractory or have relapsed disease from um, their current uh, treatment studies. And Jeff, go ahead. Hi, Vicki. Jeff Oletta. Um, I'm a bone marrow transplant physician. I recently moved down here to Columbus. I was at uh, Rainbow Bays and Children's in Cleveland for over a decade. Um, I'm double-boarded in oncology and infectious disease, and as such, I'm leading what's called the host defense program here at Nationwide, which is studying the immune response in the context of infection, but ultimately likely cancer, too, in the future. Uh, and my research interests include immunology, infection, immunocompromised patients, and bone marrow transplant indications, namely leukemia and lymphoma. And Lionel, Lionel had his office next to me when I was in Cincinnati and his lab next to mine. So Lionel, go ahead and tell yourself, go, go tell Vicki about yourself. Yes, absolutely. So uh, my name is Lionel Chow. I'm a, a pediatric neuro-oncologist here at Cincinnati Children's um, Medical Center. And as uh, Tim alluded to, uh, I'm also a, a clinician scientist. I have a lab here where I do basic uh, translational science research on pediatric high-grade gliomas, which are the uh, form of high-grade tumor that we have a very poor outcome with in, in, uh, in the pediatric uh, group. And that's that's the team. I'm, as I mentioned, Tim Kripe and chief at Hemonc BMT division at Nationwide Children's and also have a, a research laboratory looking at investigational therapeutics for cancer, particularly biologic therapies, uh, mainly for solid tumor in children. So we've got brain tumors, we've got leukemia, we got bone marrow transplant, we got solid tumors, sort of the whole gamut covered. That, that is awesome. <laughs> On behalf of the uh, childhood cancer community from the other side of the bed, Uh, the patients and the um, foundations and organizations that support the patients and their families, uh, we are indebted to uh, the four of you and your colleagues across the nation and across the world for uh, making such a dedicated effort to create a world without childhood cancers. So uh, we are in awe and appreciation of the work you guys do every day. Thank you. 
Thank you. Well, you're too kind. We are in all of you, you all, who can take uh, your own personal experiences uh, that are tragic and turn them into something positive for the world. So the reason you're our guest today for our listening audience is that uh, you're highly involved, and I guess you can tell us exactly how involved um, later, but with a new organization called Coalition Against Childhood Cancer, or CAC2. I don't know if you pronounce it CAC2, if that's the... Oh, you know, we're trying on a bunch of different ways to talk about ourselves for size. Uh, you know, everybody has their own opinion about uh, what's easy to remember, what's easy to say, what's melodious. So um, so CAC2 is fine uh, for now until we decide otherwise. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to be able to talk about the effort that has been um, in the works for a couple of years, and, and we launched an organization this summer, so uh, there's there's plenty to talk about. So before we get into that about the organization, maybe you could just share with us a little bit about your journey and how you came to be involved. Okay, sure. Um, so I, uh, I'm a college professor, I'm a business school professor, and I have a joint appointment uh, with our biotechnology uh, program, which is a graduate program for uh, bridging the gap between science and business, and um, particularly in, um, we have a lot of students in pharmacy and um, in other kinds of medical devices and, and so forth, mainly because a lot of the work that gets done on that side um, is done on a project basis, which is one of my areas of specialization. Strategy is the other. And I was... Um, Moving along in my career and my family life, I had two children, um, uh, a son who uh, coincidentally is in graduate school at Ohio State, so if you see someone that looks like me walking around campus, Tim, you should wave at him, well, although he's 6'3", and I'm not that tall. If you come uh, visit, you have to... almost identical, <laughs> and uh, he's, he's actually uh, a mathematician, but uh, back oh, uh, now it's been uh, 13 years ago, just this time of year, my uh, my daughter, who was who had just had her fifth birthday at the time, um, uh, presented with uh, some back pain oh. over the course of a couple of months, and her pediatrician uh, was pretty dutiful and and kind of kept after it. Didn't think that it was a good sign for a five year old to have back pain, and so he sleuthed it out, and ultimately uh, we had a diagnosis of uh, a stage four neuroblastoma. And this was back in 2002, and um, I think that nobody really wants to hear uh, the differentials on that we had on uh, neuroblastoma stage four diagnosis across the midline and, and disseminated into the marrow a little bit, and and so on. But we went; she went through treatment and um, and had a pretty successful run through treatment, and um, you know, kind of the standard um, two double transplant. Um, Resection after after high dose chemo and, and radiation, and we followed up with uh, a vaccine study, and uh, and she actually went on to have a, a fairly uh, long run with, as a neuroblastoma patient. She was in ED for a year or so, and then was in treatment until um, April of 2009. So she was uh, almost 12 when she died, and. Um, so that's, I guess, the motivating factor, how I came to, to become conversational about all different kinds of childhood cancers. Um, one of the things that, that really taught me, uh, that she really taught me, and being in that world really taught me, is that you have uh, some of the most 
uh, passionate um, excited individuals who, who this disease this, this set of diseases has touched their lives and they don't uh, neither the parents and families of survivors or of those who die or those who are still in treatment ever really walk away. They're, they get committed to try to make sure that people following after them don't have to have the same experience. And I guess I, I count myself in that population of, of people who, after they uh, you know, fought the battle and, and uh, basically um, it didn't work out, uh, wasn't ready to walk away and leave other people to the same experience. So that's uh, we. my daughter was involved in advocacy and fundraising for research and I just kind of followed in her footsteps. So, Well, I know I speak on behalf of all of my colleagues. Um, we're very sorry for your loss. Thank you. But we, so we're impressed with, with what you've been able to do um, in response, I guess. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that, that came about or what, what happened, what were the series of events that... Right. So, so that, that's a that's a good question, and I think that uh, one of the things about childhood cancer that uh, each of you probably know from observation uh, with uh, with whatever uh, clinical experience you have, uh, each child has sort of a different uh, path that they take, and and even when you have a standard protocol, uh, different kids react in different ways, and and some get sicker, and some don't get as sick, and uh, you know they. They, they respond in different ways to different uh, conditions. And for Erin, we felt uh, really pretty lucky because she was very healthy and very active uh, practically the entire time that she was in treatment. She uh, uh, was able to attend school regularly and, uh, and actually excel uh, at a high level in her school. She played competitive sports um, uh, pretty close to uh, the end. She rode horses competitively, and she was uh, highly, um, highly motivated to, to do a lot of things. She, she would go to Washington, D.C. and advocate um, on Capitol Hill, and she uh, had her own projects where she raised money and did things. And so, um, I, you know, I think that every family and every child sort of reacts to their situation uh, in a different way. But Erin was one that, that was really sort of pushing the envelope uh, on doing things. And when she died, I... Uh, I wasn't sure exactly where I fit into the into the puzzle uh, because it was not her it was not her style to choose one organization to support even if it was a very fine uh, and and uh, an excellent organization if if uh, if there was a, a virtual walk going on at the cure search was doing she wanted to be involved in it if there was a um, a bake sale that the Children's uh, Europe Less Lonely Cancer Foundation was involved with, and she wanted to bake. That she wanted to do that. If she, you know, if she wanted to have a lemonade stand, because Alex's lemonade stand was doing that, and so she was really a, a, a proponent of bringing your own talents to help wherever you could, and not having to make a, a discernment between the, you know, being a, a Sam Baldrick's fan or a Alex's fan. And so, in my own mind, I kind of feel like um, that, that that's really important in the childhood cancer community. We have hundreds of foundations. Some of them are quite large, like the two I just mentioned, and some of them are quite small, maybe dedicated to, to one child and one hospital and a very narrow disease. And uh, in some sense, that's 
that's the largest strength of, uh, of the childhood cancer community as opposed to having one big Susan B. Komen foundation that everybody identifies with. Uh, each one of these foundations has a network of uh, people like myself and, and my circle of friends who are, are strongly in support and, and passionate and willing to work and go the extra mile. And uh, so I was, uh, after Aaron was uh, gone and we were no longer making you know, regular trips to Houston or, or, uh, for treatment and, and you know, kind of being on that watch, I was trying to figure out how my particular skill set with a background in project management and strategy and a personality that was sort of um, um, conciliatory and, 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 and valuing cooperation and, and collaboration over competition, how that would, uh, how, how I could help the community. And, um, and so that was, that was the start, trying to, to emulate Aaron, who was sort of the glue among all of her friends and kind of always had a, a way to keep things moving forward for people. Uh, I was trying to do that uh, with the organizations that I was uh, involved with, and I was lucky enough uh, to, to meet up with uh, three guys. One is uh, Bob Panuski, who is uh, the founder of a grassroots organization called People Against Childhood Cancer. One is uh, Joe McDonough of the Be Positive Foundation, and one is Andy Mikulak out in San Diego at uh, the uh, uh, Max's Ring of Fire. And those guys were um, in conversations also about how to figure out how to get the childhood cancer community foundation side, the, the charities, the, the foundations, the 501c3s, to, um, to work together like the UN or whatnot. And they kind of uh, brought me on board even though I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, in their original group to kind of figure out how we could possibly make this happen. And that was uh, about two and a half years ago in March. Uh, we invited some, all the people we could think of uh, in the childhood cancer community on the foundation side to Washington, D.C. And ever since then, we have been working, trying to build small victories uh, where where these folks who are, I think, very good-hearted, very well-intentioned, very passionate, but not necessarily hugely trustful of each other because they haven't worked with each other before, uh, to try to figure out how to uh, get them to work together. And uh, and I think that we have actually figured it out. So that that's why I'm here today to talk a little bit about about that and what we have uh, what we've come up with. Well, Vicki, I certainly applaud your efforts. I think that it's really important to have parents like yourself who are so invested in the um, helping us find these cures and spread the word for what resources are needed. Um, and even though, unfortunately, the outcome wasn't as we would have hoped, I think that Aaron certainly was a champion pretty much for everyone. Um, we can all learn a lot of things from our yeah, kids, right? And that's a absolutely. great illustration. So. So um, I think this is a good segue into just kind of maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the goals of the coalition, sort of what you guys have on paper in terms of what you think you want to see moving forward in the future. Sure. I'd be glad to talk about that. So so we spent quite a lot of time not bossing people around. And, um, and so, you know, I would have people buttonhole me at various times. Uh, and, and they would get frustrated because we were going so slowly because we were 
trying to figure out what exactly could we share, what, what, uh, what did we want to do. The main thing we wanted to do if we were going to start another organization was not to compete with anybody that already existed because we thought that they were doing a pretty good job. And so ultimately we agreed that we would, uh, we would center our efforts around a mission that would foster and sustain greater levels of coordinated action. So in the case of things that we could do together that we couldn't do alone, that we would we would find, provide a forum for all these organizations, our member organizations, to have coordinated action. We also wanted to foster and sustain greater information exchange because while we have a lot of pockets of information, sometimes very deep pockets, for instance, uh, this week in pediatric oncology and, and what, uh, what uh, Solving Kids Cancer uh, does to, to enable this, uh, it's not necessarily across the parent community, across the foundation community, uh, something that people are turning to as a resource regularly. And so, you know, if 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 we can smooth the the um, flow of information and make it available across uh, you know all these different pieces of the community, we thought that would be a good idea. We also wanted to foster and sustain greater learning from each other so that if uh, if organizations figured out some things worked better doing them particular ways that we would be able to share that information and, and and just in general figure out a forum where we could collaborate and we focus our our efforts in four broad areas so there are certain uh, foundations that are primarily or or um, dominantly focused on research and treatment. They, they may be funding research and treatment, uh, uh, co- you know, raising money to, to, to push towards that effort uh, and, and uh, be, be funding trials or whatnot. There are certain uh, organizations that have a, a much different focus on the family support and services um, outlet where they provide um, financial services or non-financial services to the families that are in treatment. We also uh, provide the support for various advocacy efforts, both legislatively and also uh, through the executive, executive branch, through the, through the uh, COG and, and NIH. Um, and and the, then finally, our fourth area uh, that we have initiatives is just in awareness building so that um, that we stop talking to each other uh, quite as much and we, we become uh, in the general public more aware of the issues and the needs that we have. And um, and so we, we currently have uh, a, a few initiatives in in each of those areas. Um, we, we try to work on a project basis rather than to do everything. We, we, uh, we mutually agree on a project and we put a project team together and they try to come up with a solution. So for instance, um, we have two uh, projects going on right now in awareness building. One of them, and I don't know whether you pay attention to this, but whenever I'm looking uh, at my news feed that, that feeds me information about childhood cancer, uh, I see a lot of different people citing different statistics. And that's probably because um, 
while people uh, don't understand statistics particularly well and they get them from different sources and then they massage them a little bit to make their story better or whatever. So you might hear that there are 36 children diagnosed every day. You might hear there's 46 children that are diagnosed every day. That information, you know, goes back to statistics that are collected um, and, and it might have to do with different age groupings or different, uh, you know, talking about the school year versus the calendar year. And we're trying to, to work uh, with a committee that will uh, pull together and verify and, and provide citations for, uh, for usable statistics so that the community then has a centralized place that they can count on finding correct usable statistics uh, that they can use in their uh, PR things and on their websites and so on. Um, that sounds and, like and a great service that's that's underappreciated or, or a problem that's underappreciated and that would be a great service. Yeah. It, it is. If you're going to talk to the general public, you can't, the, the general public is not sophisticated enough to read the caveats into any particular statistics and so we, we, we feel like if we have, um, you know, people who are um, working pretty hard to, to go through to the, to the original source and figure out kind of where, where different storylines came from, then, then that would give a lot more people confidence that they were all talking about the same thing. Um, we are also building uh, an evergreen um, calendar and um, kind of a fence. Uh, uh, database where uh, any organization, any organization that's doing fundraising or having a gala or a walk or a golf tournament or, or something like that, uh, will we'll populate both a map and a calendar so that uh, so that we we can have a, a general idea of what's going on uh, around the country, not just in our own hometowns, not just in Columbus or Cleveland or Cincinnati, but but uh, you know, in San Diego or uh, Virginia Beach or, or Philadelphia, and uh, and and that will I think that will create excitement. Uh, we're we're also um, working on um, enrolling all of our members in um, a research database that uh, that, that articulates uh, all the funded research in in pediatric cancer, so that uh, our groups that are funding. Uh, can recognize uh, what's being done, what's not being done, what has already been done, and can become a little bit more com conversational with each other about uh, funding cycles and, uh, and and trying to move research forward rather than um, considering consider duplicative research or uh, you know uh, things that have already been funded elsewhere. So uh, we are also creating a family services database that uh, that would be a one-stop shop for someone um, newly diagnosed, a family with a new diagnosis, or a family that, that's run into a, a need that they can't fulfill, uh, that they can go and see uh, all the different options, whether it's angel flights or whether it's gas cards or whether it's superhero capes uh, for, for their little superhero to, to wear uh, around the house or around the hospital. Uh, we, we were also um, part of the effort uh, legislatively to try to get uh, to, to advocate for the Creating Hope Act. And we've got, uh, I, I think we're sending out an alert uh, pretty soon on uh, the new reauthorization of the Carolyn, Walker, Carolyn Price Walker um, Childhood Cancer Act. So, 
So the, in, in those four areas, we, we have sort of a crowdsourced model of which projects we pick and back. And, um, and like I said, we just, we just had our inaugural meeting last month, so I can't point to a huge amount of success, although we were happy to have the, the Creating Hope Act passed, and we, are, uh, we, we are, um, have made progress and are launching these other databases uh, this summer. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what we're hoping to do. Vicki, before we get any further, can you uh, um, uh, give us an idea of uh, how many of these uh, local foundations or, or larger foundations you have that are part of your coalition at this point in time and kind of how they break down within these four different areas of effort? Yes, so uh, so I can try to answer that. I, I was trying to, um, to get a real clear answer to that before I got on the call today. Um, we are, because we've... Um, we just filed for incorporation uh, last month. Uh, we don't have our own EIN yet, so we can't take um, membership dues ourselves, and we're we're uh, we're uh, channeling those through a fiscal agent, which is the Philadelphia Foundation, which we're very happy to be working with. But because of that, there's a little bit of delay when our members send in their information. Uh, it goes there first, and they send us the list of what they've received about 10 days every 10 days or so so I don't have the most up-to-date list but I can tell you right now that um, that I think that based on uh, the number of organizations and individuals that have been working through our committee structure and uh, and and being being active in the formation of the group I would say that there are about 50 founding, uh, member organizations, and they would, um, I, I hate to name them by name uh, on tape just because um, I've, I feel like I might leave somebody out who's been really um, instrumental, but I would say among the the uh, the, uh, the largest organizations in the country uh, that we have participation, active participation among the ones that might be the most familiar uh, to any of uh, anybody who is listening to this, and I would say then that we have, uh, um, you know, some some uh, a, a good number of the organizations that are aspiring to be national or who are national and not quite well known yet, and um, and then we we have I would say um, of the fifty or so organizations that that have been very active up to this point. They cover the geographic spectrum from uh, most heavily in the Northeast, in the, in, uh, the Philadelphia, New York, uh, Washington, Virginia area. But we have organizations in every geographic area in the, in the Southeast, uh, in Mid-Atlantic, in the Deep South here in Texas, uh, West Coast, um, and the Midwest as well. Uh, in addition to having these 501c3 organizations, um, we also have uh, uh, some individual advocates like myself that are not affiliated with any particular um, organization, uh, but, but there's considerably more organizations than individuals. We also have, uh, we're very inclusive. We would like anybody who would like to make other organizations uh, in the uh, in the community do what they do better uh, so, so we also have alliances uh, we have state coalitions uh, we have 
um, room for uh, some organizations that are uh, not exclusively pediatric cancer, but but uh, have an interest in pediatric cancer. So there there is a way to participate, and I I suspect that you know fifty. Uh, founding members is uh, on the small side of uh, what we think will end up being uh, as we demonstrate both our um, ability to uh, create an umbrella for organizations and do it in a, in a neutral and, and helpful way. Thanks, Vicki. It's, it's Jeff. Um, I have a question for you. First of all, I want to thank you for a, you know, a very good general sense of, of what uh, CAC2 is doing um, and, and uh, with your four pillars of awareness, research, therapy, family support, and advocacy efforts, looking towards the future, uh, if there are a couple things, uh, top three goals that uh, CAC2 would like to achieve, you know, could you comment on them based upon not only your personal experience, but the exchange of experience of all these individual members? In other words, where are the stumbling blocks? What needs to change? And how can we get there in a reasonable period of time? Well, you know, um, cancer in children uh, persists as the leading cause of death by disease for children and adolescents in the United States. And, you know, despite the fact that... Um, that we've made big progress in our lifetimes. I'm I'm 52, uh, and and uh, and I know that since the 60s, um, our our survival rate is um, has gone up considerably. Uh, knowing that though, at the same and 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 also knowing that uh, that I believe very strongly in the the strength and capability of the scientific community. In, in our country, I actually believe we do a fantastic job uh, training scientists, and I think we do uh, a really good job uh, in basic research, and I think we do a pretty good job in translational research uh, from the bench to the clinic. But one of the things that struck me was the, the drugs, the two drugs that kept Erin alive uh, so that she could accelerate through elementary school and take part in all the different things that she took part in. Uh, she was on drugs that my grandparents uh, were on in the early 70s when they had cancer, um, cyclophosphamide and uh, atoposide. And, and they were helpful to us, but I kept thinking um, that surely we could do better uh, if for, the, for the kids than to recycle 40-year-old uh, drugs. Uh, that had side effects and, um, and, and and difficulties of their own, and so um, and so I think that, that the people involved in this organization really uh, would would like to see uh, breakthroughs that that were that are, are possibly not being made because um, there's not that much profit potential to develop drugs for children. Uh, the other thing that, that's going on is that while we have gotten our survival numbers up, um, the survivors are experiencing significant debilitating complications that, that, that happen because of their existing treatments, sometimes because they were developed for adults and sometimes, you know, for whatever reason. But we, while we have more survivals, survivors, we have 
we, we don't necessarily have high quality of life. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I read a piece uh, recently that, there, that, that practically every childhood survivor had some significant uh, long-term health issue that they had to deal with, whether it was a weaker heart or whether it was deafness or whether it was infertility or whether it was, uh, you know, some other one of their organ systems that, 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 that was weakened from their so, so I think that, that, um, that in general, those two areas, of, particularly with regard to research, and I think that this is what y'all are interested in as a, a scientist and, and uh, an oncologist, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we're doing as well as we could. Uh, when, it, when, when we were making these strides in the 60s, there, there was a great deal of, uh, of uh, excitement, I think, that, that, that we're going to continue to be breakthroughs, but I think that the, the, the as we've learned more, we've understood that there's a lot more complications to what we're trying to do, and uh, if the childhood cancer community could support and work with the, um, the, the doctors and the scientists who were working on the research and, and, and try both to funnel money uh, to, towards promising projects and also information about um, about you know, what, it, what it means to be a survivor or, or what's happening, you know, in the clinic uh, with the families. I think that that's, that's incredibly important. And our goals would be to, to try to, um, to attack that, you know, to have research and treatment efforts for pediatric sufferers of cancer and the survivors. And on the other side of the coin, to kind of ameliorate some of the difficulty of um, of getting treatment and and the families that that uh, that have to go through that process, and so um, so we're those are those are really important. And the two ways that we try to get there is both by creating more awareness, more accurate awareness, I would say, and 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 doing that with the general public and with uh, funders through the government. I think the government has been a great partner uh, for providing money for basic research. Um, but you all know, if you lived in the United States in the last uh, multiple years, um, that particular uh, source has not been as vibrant and, and uh, necessitated as it had been in the past. I, I think it's getting harder and harder for young scientists to think about uh, funding their projects because, um, because of uh, cutbacks and, and um, the sequestration and, and whatnot. Well, we certainly um, agree with you there. <laughs> um, we're running a little bit low on time, and uh, although I think, uh, again, I speak for my colleagues, I think when, when we say we could listen to you for forever, uh, you know, you, you seem to have a very uh, good handle on all the salient issues of the day regarding childhood cancer, and we appreciate all your insights and your and your comments, and I think you've you're really right on. And, and it's great to hear that all, all these different organizations have a common home. I guess maybe I'll, I'll let you have, and if anybody has one, any final questions or if you have maybe a final comment you'd like to yeah. say. Tim, uh, just, just quickly, Tim, uh, I think it would be important for any of the foundations that are listening to this podcast. Uh, Vicki, can you just let us know how they could get a hold of uh, CAC2 if they wanted to find out more information about the coalition and to possibly join the coalition? Well, I know that that is a, a great question, and in fact, uh, any of you, uh, in, in, including the the uh, physicians on the call, could join CAC too. Uh, 
we we have we don't have a fully operational website yet, but we do have a landing page that's pretty easy to find. It's at CAC2, C-A-C-2 dot O-R-G, and you'll find uh, uh, some inf- an informational slideshow, a membership form uh, with a due schedule, and um, and and the uh, the, min- the notes from our meeting in June. And uh, and I, I just would like to reiterate that the most important thing that you can think of for us in terms of our values is that we are a group of people who are driven to the point that we want to put the children and their families first in everything that we do. So we do not take on things just to take them on. We, we that, that is the litmus test for what we do. We try to improve what the community is doing. We, we think of ourselves as a, a collaborative network of organizational organizations and individuals supporting and serving the childhood cancer community and and that's a we can make a pretty big circle and, and if we did uh, I think that we'd all have better information uh, bigger better projects uh, carried out in a, in a more effective way in a more efficient way well in a way your, your organization is mirroring mirroring what uh, clinicians and scientists have done over the years, you know, it's pediatric oncology groups that have pioneered, you know, collaborative efforts in order to make progress, and and now well, you're you're doing it from the parent side. Well, you're absolutely right. We take you as our inspiration. Um, early on, when when I compared the the adult uh, cancer world with the pediatric oncology world, and I saw that when when my daughter uh, ran into a difficult time, and there was something strange about about uh, her her biopsy or the pathology came back in a strange way. It was very comforting to know that the tumor board, not just at the hospital where my daughter was treated, but that included a lot more specialists across the board, were meeting to consider what those findings meant for her and what the best path forward was. And that that's an inspiration for all of us, that, that we can make quicker, better progress to... to uh, both to elevate childhood cancer nationwide, to optimize research efforts, to increase awareness and and, and for for the families and to and to support policies and, and advocacy opportunities. Those things, that's what we're trying to do and, and we can do it better together, I think. Well we we wish you the best of luck and any way that we can help you out, I'm sure we'd we'd all be happy to. So so Vicky Thank you for being here with us today and sharing your story, and we hope that uh, many of our listeners contact you and, and help the cause. Yeah. Thanks very much, Tim. I really appreciate it. It was very nice to meet you, Rob and Jeff. Good luck with your research, Lionel, all of you guys. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your work down in the trenches. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank thanks, you. thanks, co-hosts, for being here. Um, again, for any listeners, we're happy to read your emails during a future podcast and discuss your comments and questions. If you send us a note at TWIPO, that's T-W-I-P-O, at solvingkidscancer, all one word, dot O-R-G, or you can follow us on Twitter at TWIPO Podcast, and we'll notify, we'll send out tweets when we make new recordings or post a new episode, and you can get automatic notification of those episodes by registering with the RSS feed link on the Solving Kids Cancer website. So thanks today to Jeff Thurston, our sound engineer, and to Solving Kids Cancer, a nonprofit charity dedicated to improving survival through creating novel treatment op- options for children. The team at Solving Kids Cancer includes Donald Ludwinski, our executive producer, and Jenny Song, director of communications. And also thanks to Scott Kennedy and John London, who are the founding co-directors of Solving Kids.
preventing kids' cancer. So remember, the more we learn, communicate, share ideas, and work together, the faster we'll reach the day when all childhood cancer is preventable or curable. As always, keep up the fight, and thanks for listening to This Week in Pediatric Oncology.